From Portland, it's the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This week, the team wraps up winter, gives you some early season gardening tips, and they'll have your cities of the week. Now, here they are, Brian McMillan, Mark Nelson, Jeff Forgeron, and Anne Campolongo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 20. And as always, I'm joined by meteorologist Jeff Forgeron. Hey, Jeff. Hey. Meteorologist Ann Campolongo. Hey, Ann. Hi. And meteorologist, no, 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 chief meteorologist Mark Nelson. <laughs> Good afternoon, guys. <laughs> and it's, it, you, you can't see us, I know, because you're listening, but we're all coming to you from, from different locations right now, as, as per usual. Jeff is coming to us from outside on his deck right now, basking in the sunshine here on this beautiful Tuesday. Uh, Anne appears as though she's coming to, you, uh, to us from the public <laughs> library. <laughs> yeah, creepy spot. Public I need a better library, office. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, we gotta get we gotta find another location for Ann. Yeah. But no, she's in the. Uh, we have this area in our building that has all the old tapes from like years past, and so there's a bunch of beta tapes behind her. And yeah. uh, and Mark is coming to to us from the studio. Hey, Mark. Just the old studio, yep. ready to go. We're we're one hour one hour from launch of all our evening shows. Very exciting. All right, we're gonna kick things off here with our local headlines. The news headlines are next. Here's what's happening right now. All right. So uh, last week, Mark presented at the Oregon AMS meeting here in March, and he presented about our winter because winter now officially donezo. We are in spring, whether you uh, celebrate the meteorological spring or the astronomical spring, <laughs> it is spring, folks. And uh, Mark, let's let's get into winter here. How did we do this winter? I, I know we kind of had a, a slow start, but things sure picked up. And, and uh, what did this winter look like here in Portland? Well, we had about three months, two and a half months of nothing. If we consider our stormy season, you know, November, December half of January. And then um, all we had was uh, in January, we had uh, we had two events. One was kind of uh, an atmospheric river, some flooding on some rivers. Remember that? And yep. then we had, uh, remember the Dodson slide? Uh, the house slid off its foundation in Astoria. We had a strong wind event from the southwest with that. And the only other thing that happened in January was at the um, the last minute snowfall. Remember, just barely cold enough evaporative cooling. Salem got anywhere from a half to three inches. We had anywhere from nothing in Portland to like four inches out around banks, I think. So that was it. And then, of course, the only other really interesting thing that happened this winter was, you know, the big four four day event, the big snow and ice event. And boy, it sure made up for, you know, anybody that looks back <laughs> at this winter will go, oh, remember that crazy winter? So as we say in our business, right, guys, it's perception is reality. And so in this case, meteorologically, it was confined to just a few days, but everyone's going to remember, oh my gosh, that ice storm that we've, we hadn't seen before in 50 years down in the South Metro. And that's, so that how, I'm gonna and then, that's how I'm going to yeah. remember it too, is that ice storm. I, I think that's the big thing that's going to stand out. I mean, I know we all, uh, we got snow in some areas too, but the ice, that, that was something that I personally have never experienced or seen around here. So uh, that was something else for sure. I'm going to remember all the free food that uh, Mary from the newsroom brought in from Costco. And we just, we just <laughs> ate all that great food. And poor Jeff. Jeff didn't know there was food uh, in the refrigerator and the freezer. He ate really it left all out. before the morning shift arrived. And we were left with like one frozen breakfast. <laughs> warm up in the microwave deal. Mm, oh, my goodness. Stale bagels. Thanks, yep. Mark. Winter well, was you know ruined. What now? <laughs> you better have a good apple season, Mark, and bring those apples in at the end of the season. 
Yeah, I'll work on that. Actually, I did just prune the apple trees because it's spring, right? So uh, March, no, so March, I mean, we, you know, kind of consider March is that transitions winter into spring. And so March so far has been really dry. We probably noticed that if you're gardening at all. I mean, yeah, it's, we've had plenty of gray days with showers, but it's we're only running, what, an inch and something so far this month? And I think it's our third driest March at this moment. Now, of course, that could easily change here. We've got one system, what, tomorrow? Got another one Sunday night and Monday, although that may be it then for the month, so we'll see. And we uh, had uh, about halfway through the month there, we only had like four-tenths of an inch for that entire first half of the month. So super, super dry here to start March. I'm not complaining, though. We have a great snowpack on the mountain as well right now. We got more over the past 48 hours, about a foot to two feet, depending on where you are on the mountain. I was just talking to the guys up there at Meadows and over at Ski Bowl as well yesterday, and they are just so stoked that this happened right during spring break. Yeah, that's nice for them to get that uh, nice cold snow. But then, you know, like right now we can see sunshine on our ski ball camp. So the nice mixture of winter and spring. Hey, Mark, uh, this morning, National Water Climate Center was reporting 128% of normal snowpack on Mount Hood. Uh, That's as of, I guess, March 23rd. So in your estimation, kind of based off the history and you being here for years, what is that, like, what is the outlook for summer? Like, how late are we talking, um... If you could, if you give us a ballpark ballpark estimate, how long are these ski resorts going to be able to stay open? Well, here's the deal. Actually, that's that's interesting to bring that up because this time of the year, um, it's about demand. It's not about the snowpack, especially once we get into April. Because what happens is, think about it this way. Let's say if I'm, I'm going to just make up these numbers. Let's say 80% of skiers are kind of casual skiers like me. They're not hardcore. They go up a bunch in the winter. But what happens is we start getting a 60, 65 degree sunny day on a Saturday in uh, late March and April and for sure in May. And you start thinking, oh, that river looks nice. Or, hey, I think I'd like to go work on the garden today. Or I think we're going to go to the coast. And so what happens is um, they could stay open. You know, I know meadows could stay open and timber and Timberline actually does stay open because they have the, the longest ski season in North America. But tim- uh, meadows in May, they'll often still have 100 inches of snow on the ground. Oh, but wow. they, just the interest goes way down. So it's just not worth it to stay open typically. Um, usually meadows will stay open through the first weekend or two of May. And weekdays, they'll stay open through like mid-April. I don't think I've seen ski bowl stay open past mid-April. Just They do have a lower elevation, so often they, they start losing a lot of snow at the bottom there. But, um, yeah, it's all, you know, it's funny because November comes, you get two feet of snow on the ground. They can't keep people away. I mean, everybody wants to go. But then you have 10 feet of snow on the ground in May, and hardly anybody will go up. It's like the anticipation yeah. factor, right? Yes, just yes. like Christmas. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I, I just wondered because they got hit so hard by the pandemic last year uh, mm-hmm. and now Mother Nature is giving in terms of the snow. So it's, you know, the hope is that they extend their season longer than they can and they get enough service to where they can catch up a little bit because um, it was tough. Well, and Ski Bowl, you know, you know they, they have their, their summer stuff. And so they, they want to get that going by May That's is true. what they told That's a good me. Point. So May 1st, That's they want to open up for that uh, summer I know. stuff up there. Ski Bowl has had issues, I think, in the, was it 2010, 2011, those really cold springs where we had a, a good snowpack plus a cold spring, and they were literally digging out that alpine slide in late May and early <laughs> June, trying to get it running, and they don't, need to be, they don't want to be digging that out. So once Ski Bowl hits the beginning of April, they're for, you know, they like it to be 80 degrees every day in the valleys in April and May to get things melted, because Ski Bowl does uh, really well um, with their summer stuff as well, maybe even more so than the winter. It's going to be a great rafting season because of the snowpack, I'm sure. True. 
I was just looking here at the snowpack from the uh, snowtail sites, you know, all across Oregon. Washington's way above normal. All of northern Oregon, at least 100% of average, 100% would be normal. Uh, like you said, Mount Hood around 130%. Some, some of the Blue Mountains there, 140% of normal. There might be some minor spring flooding over there, like Umatilla River and uh, the Grand Ronde. But um, southern Oregon's still below average, lagging. Klamath. You know what? Yeah. That lines up with the drought monitor, too, which will they'll update on Thursday. But that drought is creeping back in. Uh, obviously, California is stuck in it, but southern Oregon is also in it. Yeah, and, you know, this was a classic. One thing about this last winter, and for now, through early spring, um, it was a classic La Nina signature on the West Coast for precipitation. It was wetter than normal up in the northwest, drier than normal in the southwest, and California, of course. And then Oregon usually is on the dividing line. They usually find that southern Oregon doesn't do as well during La Ninas as with El Ninos. So everything that way, La Nina turned out perfectly that way with precipitation, I think. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, as we move forward here through the rest of the month, Mark and Anne, I know you guys just worked on the forecast. Anne, what does it look like? Um, yeah, I was just putting it together. Uh, this week, well, kind of like Mark mentioned uh, earlier, we've got, um, sorry, my brain is coming to a blink. <laughs> um, rain tomorrow, and then it looks like Sunday night into Monday, and then maybe drying out by like the middle part of next week, which I think would bring us into the end of the month. Are Here's we still tracking to see? Are we still tracking to see some of our warmest temperatures though of the year here on like Saturday? Potentially, yeah. yeah I think yeah. Well, we've only hit sixty-three. Is that right? So far, sixty-two. This, yeah, I think 62. so. Oh, 62. sixty-two. Okay, I kept the sixty-five in there. So yeah. sweet. What were you gonna we'll say, see. Mark? Okay, I've got a, I've got a deep thought for you. I've never asked anybody this. You, you three ready? Yeah. So as meteorologist, what Anne just did when when she said, "Oh, I've got to think about it." <laughs> when you when somebody asks you that, do you sometimes like in this case, I had to do the same thing because I didn't have the maps in front of me. When somebody says, oh, what's going on Friday and Saturday? Do you in your mind picture kind of like, oh, yeah, there's ridging. So that means or do you think more in terms of like like the way we look at our like a normal person would look at the seven day forecast and go, oh, yeah, we put sun those days. Or do you sometimes I mean, I find myself a lot going, oh, yeah, what's the pattern? Not in detail, but I'll be like, is there a trough or something? Mm-hmm. That, that's more um, about how I think about it. Is is I, I'm I'm thinking about the pattern more so than the icons. Is that what you mean? Like yeah. So I'm not crazy. No. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, and I think the same way because I'll often state high pressure is going to build in. So and then you have sunny days. But I think once you do four and a half hours of GDO, it like <laughs> permanently plants that seven day in your mind, and you're just reiterating it the rest of the day. I bet. Okay, so I'm not crazy. Good to know. I, I've never asked anybody. I've never asked another meteorologist. It's like, do you think in meteorological terms in your head when somebody asks you about like something coming up in the next week? So yeah, I guess we do. That's a good question, Mark. Okay, good I stuff. feel better. I'll talk to a counselor about that at the next session. <laughs> <laughs> we we might all have a problem. <laughs> all right, uh, we have some fun here that we're doing this week. Anne is in charge this week of our city of the week. Time now for cities of the week. Okay, Anne, so this is how th- things work. Anna selected a city. Yep, it, it is your turn. Anna selected a city that's somewhere, uh, is it in our designated market area? No, but it's oh, in it's Oregon. Not. It's in Excuse Oregon. Excuse okay. me? Hold Wait, on. where is I it? I thought it could be anywhere. Uh, it can, it can. It's in a, It's in the state of Oregon. It's in um, the state of Oregon. And uh, okay. so, so, so she's going to give some clues about it, and we got to guess it, and uh, then she'll tell us a little more about it. So you guys can all play at home as well. Take it away, Anne. Okay, wait. I've got like four clues. 
Uh, the first one is their motto is, quote, it's the climate. The record high temperature in this city was 114 degrees. Wow. Ooh. And the record low was negative one. Hmm. This city was named after uh, or named in honor of General U.S. Grant's 1863 victory in Vicksburg. Vicksburg. And then this clue, which I feel like Oregonian people or Oregonians, this might give it away. Wait, but this is the best clue, I think. Okay. I have a guess. I'll hold back. Okay, hold, guess, hold I think back. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dutch Bros. This is the birthplace of Dutch Bros. in 1992. Man, this is the best city, and we don't even know it yet. Because <laughs> I know so many this random is good facts stuff. here. This is good stuff. Wait, it, it's, Wait, it's the climate is their motto. It's the climate. Yeah. Okay, Mark. I, Mark's waving oh, wow. his hand. Mark, I feel like Mark probably will know this. Yeah, it's near Medford, right? Yeah. Like about 30 miles west. Any yeah. clue, Brian or Joe? Go, go for it, Mark. <laughs> it's in the Rogue River Valley. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the, uh, yeah. It's Is Grant's it pass? Rogue Valley. Grant's Pass, right? Yes. Yeah, Grant's Pass, yes. Ah. Good job, good, good job. Nice job. Yep. We didn't have any wrong answers. What's wrong with us? We're getting too conservative. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. Uh, so, so tell us about Grant's Pass. Do you have anything else to add? Have you been there? Well, Medford was my first market, mm -hmm. so I'm familiar with the area. And a lot of my friends in Southern Oregon grew up in Grants Pass or, I don't know, are from there, have family there. I've been to the Dutch Bros, their first location there in the city. Um, is it a stand, like a drive through like most of them are here? Or is it an actual no, brick and mortar you, location? Brick and mortar, like you can go oh, in and order. Really? Fancy. Yeah, it's, really, it's a really nice one. <laughs> They're so nice. Uh, yeah, I would go there sometimes when I was in Grants Pass. And um, yeah, they have the Rogue River. I've been rafting on that river and it's great. And it's, yeah, it's just a small town. I mean, it's a little bit smaller than Medford, I'd say. But It's really hot in the summer. That's yes. Sure. I think the average high is like 90 or 92 or something. 80. Yeah, I think so. Upper 80s, 90s. Yeah. Does Did it, it tend to be cooler or warmer on a summer day than Medford? Like when you were forecasting, you know how we have our little hints here. Oh, like, oh yeah. They usually were warmer, I believe. On a hot summer day. Mm -hmm. What about nights? Are they cooler there? Seems like they might be cooler, <laughs> no? <laughs> I can't remember. Now, I, I, used to, I used to know this, Mark. I it's feel in like a bowl. they are cooler. Yeah, because it was kind of, yeah. It's pretty is it, there. What elevation is it at? Is it... Is it couple thousand feet up or a thousand feet up because if it's in a bowl Jeez, and it's guys. a cool elevation up, we're talking and about we mountain four. valley and I mountain valley versions like we're talking about you know the possibility of some cold nights there we'd like yeah. that in meters please Not <laughs> i'm yes. sure it's in the things i screenshot it's, here it's at about see. a thousand feet according to the internet <laughs> okay there you go you don't just have a low coast range there the coast range which kind of morphs into the siskiyous west of them goes up to like four or 5,000 feet pretty solid. So they're totally blocked from the marine layer. So that's why they're so hot, even though they're, uh, you know, west of the Cascades. So a little messy. And they get good thunderstorms, too, coming off yeah, the Siskiyous in the summer. Ooh, You've yes. seen those, Anne, right? Mm -hmm. And oh, we, yeah. they got snow always before Medford, too, if it was really? snowing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's a little wetter there than Medford. I bet it is, because it seems yeah. like there's more trees when you're going through Grants Pass. And then you yeah. get to Medford, and it's kind of it's, this barren landscape except for the fruit trees. Yeah, I'd agree. It's, they have a great radar out there, too. Sorry, Mark. I don't want to stir things up. Keep going, Brian. <laughs> no, it's okay. Nothing like putting a radar up at 8,000 feet on top of a mountain to capture the low-level inversion. And... 
we covered yeah. that in the last episode and our anger towards that. Yes. <laughs> We're still bitter. Awesome stuff, Anne. Thank you for that. That's great. And uh, yeah, good city of the week. We, we love playing that. Yes, Mark. Did, are we going to talk about the tornado? We had a big, we finally had a big, well, not big, but we had a tornado. And maybe right. Ann could tell us about that because you were on shift when it happened. Well, when they did the survey. I was oh, a, right. I was actually putting that toward the end of the show, but let's talk about it now. Oh, <laughs> Oops, sorry. I'm totally joking. I forgot about it. So, <laughs> I did too, actually. It was forgettable. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what, uh, what happened, Ann? EF0, uh, they surveyed that, so it happened Friday night, or I believe, so I think it was the 19th? Yes, that's correct. Last Friday. Yep. Um, Which I was also at work with Brian, but I don't remember seeing anything (laughs) intense on the radar. Very weak. It was super weak. It was out there on the the Washington coast, the southwest Washington coastline out there near uh, Iwako, right? Is that where it was? Iwako. Yeah. Right and off the Columbia River, like a, a, just a very a few blocks from the Columbia River. It took out a fence. It took out some trees, and some that shingles, was about I it. Think. Did it I hit some, some shingles some, too? Some damage, home damage, a little bit. Yeah, um, maybe four homes is what I saw. I I read at least, but I don't know for sure. How about that okay. wind speed? Sixty-five, 65 miles. <laughs> and that an was hour. a gust, right? That was not <laughs> on sustained. the coast. That was the yeah. max. Yeah. And that was on oh. the coast. So I wonder if they had a 65 at some point this winter from regular wind. I would think so. We see these quick spin-ups, and I know a lot of people joke around, uh, should we even classify tornadoes at EF0? Um, it's borderline, and this one lasted, what was it? A uh, few minutes. N- not a even a quarter of a, of a mile. mile. A third yeah. of a mile, yeah. Um, it just seems like they're, they're so quick and they happen so fast, and they, they probably happen more frequently than we can actually see um, over, you know, the the yeah. forests and things like that that you i don't know it's just a conversation i think it's worth having you know i all the uh, the last two years or is it three years have all been ef zeros i've got the listing here so you guys keep talking and we've had a lot of them I th- if, if i remember right we've had a lot of them since our last big one um our last ef2 we've had tons of ef here we go uh and we've wow, even so- had a few efus if i remember right too Remember the the last EF zero that caused some sort of significant damage was the um, Aurora, Aurora Airport. Oh, I guess oh. Damascus. You're right. You wrote. Uh, yeah, I mean you're right. Um, but I wrote in here. Yeah, June thirteenth, twenty twenty. So a little less than a year ago. Yeah, trees crushed three cars. Right. I remember the gentleman right. with the three cars. But the last EF one was way back in September of twenty seventeen in Lacombe, east of Lebanon. And to find an EF2, that was Manzanita. That's what you just said, Brian, right? Yep, Manzanita. And then before that, it was Almsville. Yeah, Almsville. And that was 2016 and 2010. And boy, another EF. I can't find another EF1 until we get to Oregon City in 2000. Wow. Typically, we get these really weak ones. That's yeah. most common. And they're tornadoes. Let's let's be factual about this. They drop down from what is a strong cell, sometimes a thunderstorm. Uh, the same morning, by the way, that that system moved on shore near Ilwaco, um, there were three tornado warnings that morning up along the Washington coast. It was focused over the northern Washington coast. But what was happening is that these strong cells were forming over the water and they were moving on shore, possibly as l- water spouts transitioning to land spouts. And that's typically what we refer to these quick spin-ups as uh, rather than a tornado. Um, and I just want to back up and say I do think that we should keep the classification of EF0. I know a lot of people argue, though, especially transplants, like coming in from the central or eastern United States, moving to the Pacific Northwest, they see these EF2s, 3s, 4s, and so they kind of 
poo-poo them, the EF zeros. But, um, but that I don't know. Uh, good conversation to have. Well, let's get and to I'll, one more. Oh, go ahead, Ann. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna throw in there. A lot of times, too. At least I've seen it. We have the issue of is it an EF zero, zero or is it straight line wins? Um, that was at least when I was here early on, like the first year. There were a couple times where it was like. They thought it was tornado damage, but it, they ended up just classifying it as straight line wind damage. Um, but yeah. Hey, Jeff, I was off the other day. Was Oh, it was Friday, the day when we had those uh, tornado those uh, tornado warnings on the Washington coast. It seemed like the Seattle Weather Service was passing out tornado warnings like the Easter bunny on Easter morning. <laughs> That's a candy. good point. But That's a ahead. great point. Oh, I was just going to add, like, I think it really depends on the Weather Service office, right? Um, sometimes you feel like, Trigger happy is probably not the correct term, but like you would think that some are more willing to issue one, uh, maybe because of a populated area as opposed to not. Uh, from now, remember we have the weather service up in Seattle, weather service in Portland. But yeah, I saw some cells that were pretty strong along the coast, and I was curious if those would be tornado warned. But it came under a different jurisdiction as opposed to up north. So the last thing I want to talk about, guys, um, is about gardening. My my wife is going nuts on the gardening thing. That's been her COVID skill and her COVID like uh, thing that she yeah, thing that she's really gotten into. I mean, she's been ordering seeds and planting things. Uh, the the area around our sink right now. I've, we have all these little seedlings that have started and everything. And I know it's a podcast and you're probably not watching, but uh, I'll show you guys. You can see uh, I made these oh. steaks. Uh, with a 3D printer here, and like, that's really I'm, neat. I have one in my hand here. It says summer squash yellow. This one says summer squash green. Uh, I did make one. I posted it on my uh, Instagram, and it's it said red velvet cake. That's it, what I saw, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Let's tell tell us. What well, red velvet cake is that? There's it's actually, and I I learned this too because I was like, why do you want me to make you this? And apparently, there's a flower out there called uh, celosia. Have you ever heard of this, Mark? Nope. Mark's the big gardener. Uh, Celosia is is like this red uh, flower, and it blooms. All of its all of its uh, little blooms are really tightly close together, and it looks like kind of a cupcake. Um, and so that's why they call it red velvet cake. But uh, yeah, so we're we're growing watermelon this year. We got. All sorts of veggies and all sorts of flowers. And the goal is to have a bunch of hummingbirds in our backyard and butterflies and all that good stuff. So, God bless you. Yeah. Did you <laughs> so end up great. getting a greenhouse, Brian? Does your wife have a greenhouse Yes, she has a, she has a small – it's kind of like a half greenhouse now. Um, yeah, and she, she did start putting stuff in there, and I'm hoping that that is going to be okay. But uh, What do you mean by half greenhouse? It's like it's not a full like you know four by six foot greenhouse. It's kind of like uh, I would say it's probably about like three feet deep and about uh, four feet um, four feet long. So I I mean what I mean by that is it's just small. It's a small little greenhouse. Yeah. Looks like she just got a snack and walked up the stairs behind you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> she came down and then she left she and did. she had. Yeah, and she was she had like food or something. Probably heard like that I was talking out. about her. Yeah. So so anyway, do we have uh, do folks out there who are you know hoping to get their stuff from inside to outside? Do they have to worry about doing that this time of year? You're the I got a couple gardener. thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I got two thoughts on that, but I don't want to cut it. Jeff, you say what you're going to say first, and then I want to talk about the the latest frost. Well, we okay. We I don't know when the latest was on record, but our average last freeze 
like 32 at PDX. It's typically August or March 19th. Mm-hmm. And this morning, I don't think PDX dropped to freezing, but uh, Vancouver did, and many areas along and west of I-5 did, and we're several days past it. So that was just average as uh, March 19th. But my, I know my that- My house was down to 31 degrees, had frost all wow. over the, uh, the Hillsboro. Yeah. Hillsborough was in the upper 20s. I saw a 28 this morning at yeah. one point, so maybe 27 was the low. But what I was going to say was um, the Weather Service lists PDX. Uh, April 20th apparently is the last average day we dropped to 36. So that would mean that six feet off the ground, if we're at 36, 35 degrees down at the surface, we could Ooh, have good. frosty conditions. Wow. And um, so I think that what your wife is doing, Brian, and what a lot of other people around the metro area are doing, including us, is – you know, keeping things in the windowsills for now because we still, you know, these little plants that are trying to root and that really rely on warmer conditions um, to survive and to grow initially, they're going to not do as well in these mornings that are still cold. And um, Mark, you've been here much, much longer. You probably know what it's like in April as well. And you've seen series of Aprils. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on gardening yeah, at this point? The, and that average last frost at PDX is like the warmest place other than the coastline. Basically, the coastline average last frost is in March in the valleys except for in the city of portland and you know close in urban area the average last frost is like sometime early to mid-april um, once you get out to like uh, outer hillsboro or like vernonia coast range it's like early may mm. and then um you go into the columbia basin of eastern oregon where they grow all those peaches along the columbia river east of the dalles at mary hill uh last frost is more like you know early to mid-april but boy you get to the higher elevations of eastern oregon and i don't mean like way out in the country i mean like the cities, central oregon uh, because it's high desert and they have lots of dry air, their average last frost at Sisters is July 2nd. Wow, and the that's first, crazy. It, first is like oh. August 15th. So, it, it, like, my wife has said, like, oh, that'd be a great place to retire. Let's go to Sisters. I guess everybody wants to retire in Sisters. And um, yeah. <laughs> and I said, nah, I'm, I'm a gardener. I need, I need, we need to be lower, like, you know, Hood River or something. So, um, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm retiring. I'm not making any big announcement. But the point is, um, it's harder to garden in eastern Oregon, especially at elevations. And then one last thought is a bigger issue I've noticed all these years, especially where I live, where it's wet a lot in April, May, and even into June, far bigger issue than the frost is the constant cold. I mean, I've, I've had in the coldest Junes, I've like started the corn like twice because it just, if we have day after day in the 50s to 65, and that's the best you can do under a marine layer, uh, it won't even come up because the ground's so cool. So really? we have an issue of lack of sun, and, and especially if you're in the foothills, too much moisture, slugs, uh, rot. You know, even right. if we have two weeks of rain in May down in the city, that can be really harsh on tomatoes. So it's not about the frost, it's about the cool and wet. But the last 10 years generally have been real last eight years for sure have been really good we've had some warm and warmish and dryish springs which have been great for gardening so if you were to give some uh folks out there advice right now on what to do would you say to wait uh for a little while longer to 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 plant those kind of more sensitive plants yeah you don't plant anything warm like you don't put tomatoes or beans or any of the warm weather stuff in the ground you shouldn't i don't think until early to mid-may at the earliest Okay. Yeah, and can I add one more thing? It really all depends on what kind of soil you have in your backyard. And if it's flat, say we get a good amount of rain in a short period of time, you could drown miniature plants that True. are just in the ground. So you're, you're you're dealing with cold and you're dealing with a lot of water initially. So I, I just find that it's easier to control the climate of that plant by bringing it indoor and outdoor in a pot or a kind of tray set up um, and then eventually transplant them when you know you're safe. Look at you, Jeff. I, I didn't Jeff know you, is, you're, you're all yeah. into it too. How about that? You grow uh, any plants fun. there, Ann? 
Nope. <laughs> I need a yard. Don't we need one yard. in here, Anne. We should get one for the weather center. Oh, now yeah, we're we talking. Should. Yeah. Got to start somewhere, Anne. We could we could start it in the weather center. Get our, we could get some grow lights in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, great. you guys. I know you got a, a show to get to, the big four o'clock here. Um, thanks for all this. This is great. Learned a lot today. <laughs> I hope you did too. And, and thanks so much for, for joining us this week. Uh, hey, we, we love your weather questions. We had a bunch of really great ones last week. Uh, at the end of this episode, there's a number to call into, and we may use your uh, phone call on our podcast Oh, and cool. answer your question. So, so uh, check that out. Leave us a message with your your uh, weather question, and you know, keep it a little more general. Not what's the weather going to be like at my house in two months. You know, keep it. Uh, if you, if you have a question about behind the scenes at a news station, what we do, how we forecast, things like that. That's always great. They stuff. they want to see our dirty laundry. That's right. If you have a really they- personal question about Mark's past, you can ask that as well. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be real exciting. No, I mean, the, the fun stuff that goes on behind the scenes here. People love that stuff. Yeah, yeah good the stuff. stories. But thanks so much for joining us this week. We will talk to you next week. And until then, be safe. Do you have a weather question? Call 503-548-6484 and leave a message. It could be featured on a future episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Head to kptv.com for the latest forecast and weather information for your area.